Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the last track of our politics panel, our last our politics series that we've had here today in Pigot Auditorium. So I this this discussion, just to make sure you're in the right place, and I see a lot of familiar faces out there. The title of this session is The GOP is Dead, period. Long live the GOP. Um, I'm Brady Walkinshaw. I'm the CEO of the national media publication grist.org and have been delighted to get to participate today. So with that, I'm going to introduce our four guests here, along with our moderator, Austin Jenkins. So to the furthest, furthest to the left, we have Bill Bryant. And Bill is the founder and chairman of Bryant Christie, Inc. Since founding the firm, Bill has been appointed under both Republican and Democratic administrations to advise on trade. Uh, he's a former port commissioner. Uh, in, King, in, in King County, and in 2016, he was a Republican candidate for governor in this state. Uh, to his right, we have former U.S. Senator, former U.S. or former State Attorney General, former State Representative uh, Slade Gorton, uh, who. served for 10 years in the State House, went on to be our Attorney General, and then uh, was in the U.S. Senate until 2000. So welcome, Senator Gordon. Uh, to his right, we have Chris Vance, uh, and Chris is a public affairs consultant, adjunct faculty member at the University of Washington. He, too, is a former state representative, uh, and he was the Republican Party chair in this state from 2001 to 2006. So welcome, Chris. And finally, um, moving along to his right, we have Lori Satello. And Lori has been the chairwoman of the King County Republican Party uh, since 2007. So just over a decade leading the Republican Party in King County. So I want to thank this, panelist, this panel for being here and give them a round of applause. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to someone whose voice may sound familiar to you, Austin Jenkins. Uh, who, among other things, hosts TV shows on TVW and has been a reporter and a journalist with, with NPR affiliates for a long time. So thank you, Austin. Thank you, Brady. Great, great to be here, everybody. A great crowd. Thank you for being here at the tail end of what's been a, an action-packed day. Um, I'm very appreciative to this panel for being here in, in no small part because of the title of this panel. <laughs> I think that they would probably reject the first half of that title right out of the gates, but I think we should start with that question, and I want to start with Senator Gordon. Uh, is the Republican Party in Washington State in 2018 dead? It's a very interesting definition for a party that holds two statewide offices and is very close to a majority in, uh, in, in, in both, both houses of the legislature. So the answer is no. Uh, does the party have problems? The answer is yes. Does the Democratic Party have problems? Of course it does. That's endemic to a two-party system. Uh, parties have to have a broad range of philosophies within them in order to be successful. And the tension among those various factions rises and falls. Uh, I think it's probably just moderate at this point. <laughs> so, Lori, you, you uh, decided to be on this panel in spite of the title, but... Same question. I mean, it's a good point. There are two statewide electeds who are Republicans. Republicans held the state Senate until just this year and did so for five years as part of this uh, coalition uh, caucus. Um, nonetheless, 
uh, it's been since 1984 that we've had a Republican governor in this state, something we'll be talking with Bill Bryant about. The last uh, Republican governor was, was former Governor Spellman, who recently just passed away. When you see that question, is the party dead, and you think about it in the context of winning the governorship, which really is kind of the holy grail, what do you, what's your answer? Well, I, you know, Governor, uh, uh, Senator Gorton said it very, very well. I mean, it, the fact that we, it kind of ebbs and flows when you, when you look at the, you know, the House and the Senate and the governor. And, and yes, it's been a while since we've had the governor's mansion, not for trying really, really hard and having great candidates. Um, but, you know, it, it'll be our turn uh, just as all the cycles come around uh, as they have in the past. I, if you look at the House, you look at the Senate, we're just one vote away from, from uh, a Republican majority. Uh, and, and in the races that we have in this state, most of them are within five percentage points uh, either direction, our close races. The fifth district this last election, uh, Chad Magadas for Senate, lost by 500 votes. So, you know, those, those are really tight races and, and it is competitive. Currently, the Democrats have the majority. So, Bill Bryant, let's, let's think about even how we define this, the define the health of the party. You ran for governor. You, were, you joined a long line of Republican candidates who put yourself up to this test, went through that grueling experience, raised the money, knowing the odds were against you, didn't make it in the end. Uh, how do you evaluate the health, health of the Republican Party in this state today? Well, the health of the Republican Party as a functioning party is, is pretty strong for the reasons that Senator Gorton mentioned. We have two statewides. We have um, significant, uh, not majorities, but significant caucuses in both the House and the Senate and the state. The question is, how do we, how do we get to be stronger? And that goes to your point of how do you elect a governor? In, in 2004, when Dino Rossi was running in an open seat with uh, Christine Gregoire, he received about 48% of the vote. Uh, four years later, with 100% name ID and much more money, as a challenger to Governor Greg War, received 46. Four years after that, Rob McKenna runs. It's an open seat, has lots of money. Like Dino in 2004, he gets 48. Four years later, I'm running as a challenger to Governor Inslee, and I get just about 46. So you've got a situation where the Republican candidate for governor is getting about 48% and when it's an open seat and about 46% when uh, that person's running as a challenger against an incumbent. And I would argue, going to the health of the party, that in 2020, when it most likely will be an open seat, the Republicans can't, can't count on getting 48 because of the growth of King County. It's probably going to be closer to 47 be, would be your base. So when you're talking about the strength of the party and why haven't you got a, a governor's mansion in a while, the party is strong. It's just not strong in the King County metroplex area. And if you want to get from 46, 47, 48 to 50 and a half, we're going to have to be strong not just in areas outside of King County, but we're going to have to have a message which resonates with the people who live here. So let's hear a different perspective on this. Chris Vance is the former state Republican Party chairman, and he no longer identifies with the Republican Party in the state. Why not? What happened? I don't get the same question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I th I'm thinking it'll lead to an answer that gets to the taking the temperature on the health of the party. Okay. Well, that, that's really important, Austin. Is there, 
as I was thinking about participating in this panel, there's really two separate things here today. There's the politics of it, which we've been talking about, which is about the future of the Republican Party, which I think is exceedingly bleak in this state. Uh, and then why I and others have left. Um, for me, it was very simple. Um, it took a long time, but eventually I found myself saying, I don't agree with virtually anything that today's Republican Party believes in, from surrendering itself to Donald Trump and the alt-right, to the positions they've taken now on trade and immigration, driving up the deficit, uh, just insane policies, I think, um, regarding transgender people and just the cruelty and stupidity, frankly, of the policies now. The party's changed dramatically. And I just found myself where you're saying to yourself, well, I don't agree with my party on this or this or this. Eventually, you have to ask, why are you part of that party other than just pure tribalism? So my conscience is what caused me to, to identify now as an independent. And, and it was it, your view. <laughs> there's a level of pessimism there, but it's also, I mean, you're, you're evaluating what you think is the future of the party, and you're not seeing a, a course correction. You're not seeing the potential to get the party back that you want. Well, now we're back to the politics. Um, yes, um, look, the, both major parties exist everywhere. There's a Republican Party in California, there's a Democratic Party in Texas. But the purpose of a political party is to govern. And there is no realistic scenario under which the Republican Party is going to govern the state of Washington anytime in the future. First of all, it virtually never has. In my lifetime, only once for two years have we controlled both houses of the legislature and the governor. We haven't elected a governor since 1980. We didn't, oh, wait a minute, old habits, not we anymore. Um, <laughs> They haven't elected a governor since 1980. They haven't elected a U.S. senator since 1994. Bill talks about King County as if it's just, you know, another county. It's a third of the state and growing. Um, and, the, the, and no offense to Lori, who is a friend of mine that does a great job, but the, the Republican Party in King County couldn't even field a candidate for King County executive. There is no Republican right now running for the U.S. Senate. The party is not going to completely die, ever but it's becoming as irrelevant as the Republican Party is on the rest of the West Coast. They're, they're, I'm a big, I'm, I haven't changed my views. I'm a huge fan of Senator Gorton and, and Dan Evans. That form of moderate centrist governance has no future in the Republican Party in Washington State. We need to form something new. That's uh, really, I think, uh, not the case. <laughs> the two parties, and we, the, the two parties here, share one thing in common there, in sense, mirror images of one another. The people who start into politics and uh, identify with one party or another in the Republican Party overwhelmingly come from the right. And they have, in the long, almost three generations that I've been involved in politics at, you know, in, in this state, often one of those right-wing groups wins, takes control of the party, then reaches the conclusion or reaches the uh, view that Chris just expressed that political parties exist in order to win elections and to, and to, and to solve policies, and, and they soften and they moderate. On the Democratic side, the new activists always come in from the left, Sanders in this, this last year, for example. Now, what we have had in the last couple of, the last two or three years, in, in my view, is the fact that both parties got that new resurgence. Both parties are at the extreme, and there was no room left in the middle. And 
one of the most remarkable statistics that I've come up with is more than 150,000 Washingtonians who voted in 2016 did not cast a vote for any of the eight candidates for president whose names were on the ballot. That to me shows a total failure on the part of both parties to nominate candidates with whom a majority of the American people would feel comfortable. Many people voted for Hillary Clinton, many people voted for Donald Trump, who didn't like them at all, but just like, disliked them a little bit worse than they, uh, than they, than they did their, their opponents. So the problem for the Republican Party, I think it's for the Democratic Party too, but that's not my uh, business or care. The, party, the, the uh, problem for the Republican Party is to be broad enough in its views that it can appeal to a majority of the people of the, of, of the state. It's pretty close. It's not the, not the darkness that uh, Chris sees there. And uh, to, to abandon one of the two political parties is to abandon having real influence on social and political policies in the state. Well, there is this dynamic, though, that makes it difficult for Republicans. And it, this was made apparent to me when I uh, covered the state convention in Pasco in 2016. Bill Bryan was there, Chris Vance was there. The base of the party is there, and it's in the base of the Republican Party geographically. We're in the Tri-Cities, we're in you know, Republican Eastern Washington. And here are two King County Republicans trying to appeal to or not appeal to at times, in the case of Chris Vance, the base of the party, relate to them, and then at the same time now they have to get right back in that car or on that plane and return to the King County, Snohomish County, Pierce County, where most of the votes are, and appeal to a lot of independent-minded voters who may possibly lend their vote to you. It seems like an impossibility. So let's get this, go ahead, Lori. Well, I'd, I'd like to pipe in a little bit because I, uh, Chris and I have known each other for a long time, probably yeah, a long time. And, and you know, I just couldn't disagree more uh, in, in the, um, I, I actually take exception to the word alt-right. I looked it up this morning, I didn't even know what it was. Um, and I, I take exception to being, being no, seriously, I, I hear people say it all the time, and I just didn't, uh, I, I thought, is my definition the same as what I'm reading here? And I wanted to make sure that, that I did understand it. I, I take exception to that word. There's not anyone that I work with in the Republican Party or the grassroots that I'm involved with that's alt-right that, that I've come in contact with. Having said that, when you look at the Republican Party in King County, you see, you know, you have Enumclaw with the farms, you have the density in Seattle, you have the east suburbs. It's a really diverse uh, uh, geographic area. And, and not only are they geographically diverse, but they're also philosophically diverse. And we have uh, moderate and conservatives in our party, and we're the party of ideas. And a lot of times those ideas uh, uh, get us, get us con uh, having conversations and, uh, and, and debating with each other, but we come, ahead, come out of that uh, together. And I think that's part of the uh, misconception of the Republican Party is that, you know, that, that we're all one monolith. We're really not, especially in King County. So just because this seemed to get a reaction from the audience, what, when you read that definition of alt-right, what, what was the definition you saw, and why are you rejecting that as, as that an element? That it was racist, that, that we were racist. Okay. And, and Republican Party, the people that I know are absolutely not racist. Do you think it's a nice narrative, but it's not true. Do you think the alt-right has hijacked your party? I think every party has weirdos. 
and I think everybody that wants to be involved with, with a political statement, there are weirdos. And uh, I'm not going to justify the alt-right. I, I read it. I don't like that definition. We, I, the po folks that I know are not racist. And it, it's not, um, it, it, it is not part of having a conversation to say that you are X or you calling someone this. Um, so I have to reject that. But I, I think there are also people who would say a, a weirdo is benign. Not always. Is, is a racist benign. And, and, and if the party is trying to really identify and, and define itself for 2018 nationally and locally, mm -hmm. and, and I think in many ways Washington State has not seen some of the same things we've seen nationally, but that is such a touchstone issue in this country. And as people are listening to the Republican Party and trying to figure out if it's a party they can be a part of, a party that has a future, and we are you know, having that conversation, I just don't want to let that moment pass to let you really be clear about what you're saying about that Element. I agree. It, it, anyone that is offensive, whether it's a Democrat, Republican, Independent, it's our job to push them back. And uh, for the for in our party to the deaf, the alt right, or even the alt left, you know, the alt right um, is just not something that applies. So I'm here before you to tell you that the Republican Party I know is not racist, and the grassroots that I work with in the King County Republican Party are good, honest people that work as hard as any of you guys in this room uh, at, at uh, supporting their candidates and supporting, because they believe in a philosophy, a political philosophy, and they want to help make a difference. Okay, briefly, Chris, and then I might get Bill back in here. I spent decades um, pushing back on the argument that the Republican Party was racist because I never believed it was. If you go back and you look at the positions that President Reagan took and President Bush and President Bush all took on immigration, where they believed in yeah, amnesty for people who'd been here for a very long time and had put down roots, that's just dramatically different than where the party is today. Um, and having spent 2016 driving all over the state as Bill did campaigning and talking to Republican audiences. I'm not sure I'd use the word racist because that's really pejorative, but there's no doubt that the party's become nativist. There's no doubt that the animating desire in this party is no longer to grow the economy or protect national defense. It's to somehow protect what they believe is American culture, make America great again. Um, and it's all about Muslim bans and cutting in half the amount of legal immigration and deporting people like we saw. And today in Kansas City, a college professor who'd been here 30 years and has three kids who are US citizens was arrested by ICE, even though he'd been on a work permit that, that they could have renewed. Instead, how is that making America great to deport that man? So uh, racism is a very difficult term, but there's no doubt that the Republican Party has become nativist, isolationist, protectionist, and this is the agenda of the John Birch Society and the Know Nothings, not the party of Ronald Reagan's party, which is what I joined up for. Senator Gordon, you've been critical too of, of what's happening. Chris is just looking through the wrong end of the telescope. <laughs> the Republican Party in Congress, <coughs> what has it done during the, the course of this year? It's past eight a regular Republican agenda uh, on taxes and on a number of other things uh, because the president holds it back rather than, than drives it forward. It hasn't reformed health care in the way it wanted to do. Uh, 
many Republicans are involved in the negotiations over immigration right now. As a matter of fact, the moderates who are trying to come up uh, with an answer are evenly divided you know, between, between the two parties. In Olympia, what's the, the, the driving force behind the Republicans? Basically, it's the policies of the Washington Policy Center uh, on a wide range of issues, almost all of which, perhaps all of which, are, uh, are adopted uh, by, by Republicans in Olympia. Uh, Chris is talking about a very small category uh, of people who've been with us forever and will be with us uh, forever, but he's not talking about the direction of the Republican Party in either our legislature or our Congress. So, Bill, I know that you are thinking a lot about the future of the party. I don't know if you're thinking about a future run. Are you? <laughs> How come whenever I ask... <laughs> you think I'm just going to throw out a scoop like that? <laughs> Every time I ask these questions... I, I would say, if any of you are ever on a panel with Senator Gorton, make sure you don't have to follow him, oh, because right. yeah. I know exactly what I'm going to say, and then he says it. <laughs> but, but you are thinking about getting back to the roots of yes. what you think the Republican Party in this state stands for. And, and I think that you view it as perhaps different or unique from the National Republican Party. I do, and that's where another reason why I disagree with Chris. When Chris will run through the litany of, of issues that drove him out of the party, he's really talking about national issues. And like Senator Gorton, I think that Republicans here are operating very differently than the current administration. They're focused on different issues. And I think that's largely because in the Northwest, in, in Washington State, uh, kind of like the old PEMCO ads, we're a little bit different. And, and Republicans, I would argue, are a little bit different in Washington State. And if we want to get from that, out, break out of that band of 46 to 48 that I talked that uh, Dina Rossi and Ron McKenna and I were all in, I think we need to go back to those roots at Northwest Republican tradition. And it's really founded on, I think, uh, four elements. The first is the environment. You know, when I was growing up, Republicans owned the environmental agenda in Washington state. We, we created the North Cascades National Park. We protected shorelines. We saved orcas. We, we preserved a lot of habitat around the state. Governor Evans called the legislature back into a special two-day session just to create the Department of Ecology before there was an environmental protection agency. This Republican Party in Washington state still has a number of people who are committed to protecting our environment and our open and wild spaces. That's why I wrote the article in Crosscut last week opposing the Trump administration wanting to drill offshore in Washington state uh, in the Olympic National Marine Sanctuary. We you want to get from 46 to 48? Let's reclaim that environmental agenda. The other, the other real tradition in Washington state republicanism is egalitarianism. Um, you know, it's hard to imagine this now, given how long it's been since we've elected a Republican governor, but in the first years of statehood, the Republicans controlled the legislature and the governor's mansion. And they really believed that they wanted to be different out here on the edge of the continent than they were back east, where, where you went to school and where your family summered mattered. They wanted everyone out here to be measured by what they did and who they were. But they also said that we're going to ensure that every kid has an equal chance to become everything they can be. That language about ensuring we have ample funding for public education is Republican language. 
there was a total commitment to make sure that we had schools and an education system that benefited everyone. And if Republicans want to get from 46 to 48, they need to remind people of our ground, you know, solid commitment to education. And that's why you see, after decades, you got Senator or Governor Spellman was the last Republican governor. After Spellman, the Democratic Party defunded education in this state year after year. When the Republicans took control of the state Senate in 2013, the first thing they did was increase funding to K-12 and to cut college tuition. If we become the party that we once were and reclaim our Northwest roots and remind people we're just a little bit different out here, we're not like the National Republicans, I think we'll get from 46, 48 to 51 and a half. Okay, so. Uh, Ed Bell uh, complained about my taking his lines away from him. He just took mine away from me. Uh, <laughs> Education is perhaps the greatest example of a, re of a Republican success. For years, under full Democratic control in the legislature and in the, in the governorship, the percentage of our budget that went to education, both K through 12 and the universities, constantly declined. Who has really worked to meet the mandates of the state Supreme Court? It has been the Republican Party with a majority of one in the state Senate that had the intellectual firepower and the, and the leadership ability to turn this state around with respect to education. The most important single function of a state is one that is the prize of the Republican Party. Do you give the, the state Supreme Court any credit for this too? <laughs> so, you know, for as long as I've been interviewing Chris Vance, and I think it's 15, going on 15 years, you've been talking to me about the suburbs. Yep. So the east side, Seattle suburbs, as the bellwethers, the place to watch, that's where you need to keep your focus, Austin, the, the mm -hmm. political reporter. So as you're thinking about responding to what they've been saying, and, and we've, the other reality is we have seen the Republican control of those suburbs erode. At the same time in this last election, we saw Pacific County and Grace Harbor County flip. Right. Go Republican for right. the first time in 60 plus years. Right. A lot more people live in the King County suburbs than in Grace Harbor County. That's, that's the problem. Look, Austin, I agree with everything Slade and Bill just said. Um, in fact, that's exactly the speech I was making back in 2000. When I was elected chairman, we had just lost Senator Gorton. We had just for the first time lost legislative seats in the King County suburbs. And I convened what we called the Crescent Conference, where we did a bunch of polling and focus group research to talk about why is Republican support eroding in the suburbs. And I believed for a very long time for, that what we, we, I keep doing it, um, they just needed to keep doing was emphasizing that Republicans are a little bit different here. It doesn't work. Rob McKenna ran as a moderate. Bill ran as a moderate. I ran as a moderate. All, everybody we nominate for statewide office runs as a King County moderate and runs saying I'm a different kind of Republican. They still lose. And if, if being a moderate would help you in the suburbs, then Senator Steve Litzow, who's about as liberal as you can be and still be a Republican, would still be in office. We wouldn't have lost two seats in federal way. The problem is, first, there's two problems. One, if Lori and the other Republican leaders tried to disavow themselves from Donald Trump and the National Party, they would lose their seats immediately because the base loves Donald Trump and the current direction of the Republican Party, okay? And that's why the Washington State Republican Party, the Republican National Committee, is completely in the tank for Trump, which just shocks me uh, that we ever got to that point. But beyond that, politics is not local. Whoever said that was wrong. Politics to now is national. 
and it is impossible to break away from your national brand. We've been trying, I agree, I believed this for years, we tried. It, we keep trying, it keeps failing, it's gonna get worse now in the era of Trump, not better. And to say that we're a different kind of Republican here on the West Coast, we now demonstrably have years of evidence to show it doesn't work. Which is again why, for those of us who believe in centrist politics, we need to create something new or give up the future completely. Give you a chance to respond to that, Lori. I mean, but this gets back to this conundrum. If you've got the base of the party and then you've got an electoral reality out there. So um, I'll correct. I mean, Chris forgets that the number one job of a, of a party leader is to be a cheerleader for your party. And so one of my jobs and his job when he was the chairman of the Washington State Republican Party is my job is to support our candidates. And that means the president all the way down to the dog catcher. And so, yeah, I'm going to support our president. There, but believe it or not, within the and Austin, you were talking about Pasco. There was a huge contingent from King County and our state. There was one Trump delegate in our whole state that went to the national convention. The rest of them supported a variety of others, but they were mostly Cruz, uh, Ted Cruz delegates. So I, I'm, what I'm trying to say, though, is that. It, there is a, a diversity in, in our state, so it's not, it's not that we are supporting, uh, you know, lockstep with Donald Trump. I mean, trust me, Tes Ted Cruz felt about the same way as, as Chris Vance felt about Donald Trump yeah, no when, it came, when it came down to the, uh, to the convention. So, you know, there is some diversity there. Um, I, you know, I just, I just couldn't disagree more with Chris. The, I, I thought we were talking about local state issues yeah. and, uh, and but what when the you party think, was here. But when you think about the, and, and you know, maybe you can also define success and say, yeah, the governor's office would be nice, but it's true that Republicans are now nipping at the heels of the House majority. I mean, every year, year over year, Republicans have made strides to narrow what was nearly a supermajority the Democrats had. The question now is, can they... Are they, have they hit, you know, hit the max? But when you think about being the chairman of the King County Party, you are on the state party board, you are talking to your fellow Republicans, and you've got this reality, which is Trump isn't that popular in this state. You've, heard, you've seen these numbers. What is the strategy going forward? How do you think about reframing the party, or do you think, you know what? We're just going to be who we are. We'll get the wins we get but we're not going to change just because of these political realities. Well, as a state party member, and, and actually, again, as the head cheerleader of the Republican Party in King County, my job is to support our nominees all the way from the top, you know, our elected officials. So that's not going to change. Um, but having said that, there are many parts of our party where there is a wide difference of opinion. And so that my job is to kind of manage all of those different, uh, and, and mine is a political job. I'm, I'm not necessarily an elected person or, uh, you know, a, a PAC person. You know, my job is, is to manage the, the, um, the folks on the ground, the grassroots. And so managing those folks and getting them in um, to, to support However they're going to participate in the party is my job, and it's not necessarily ramming one candidate or another down their throat. One of the shortcomings of all of us, I think, as individuals, but particularly of the experts, is they look at the situation today, and they say the future is going to be the same. 
or it's going to go in exactly the, the same direction. And they're almost always wrong. You know, in the 1930s and the Roosevelt times, there was a time when the State House of Representatives had 93 Democrats and six Republicans. When I started in the legislature, we were down two to one, and that was the closest we were anywhere in the state. And it dramatically changed due to the leadership of a few people, Dan Evans being the uh, most important uh, of those. And anyone who wants to project what has gone on in the last 10 years and say, 10 and 20 years from now, it's just gonna be more of the same. I don't know how wrong they're gonna be. I don't even know in what direction they're gonna be, but I do know that they're wrong. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and dynamic leaders will come along who will, appeal to, who will appeal to the people, not just to the members of their own party, and there will be change, and there'll be another Dan Evans, and there'll be another group like that, and the Republicans will be in, in charge for a short time, and then it will shift back again. But this state has gone back and forth like the pendulum on a grandfather clock. It's at one extreme right now, it'll go back. Okay, Bill. Well, with regard to the suburbs, um, I think you're absolutely, Chris was telling you, you've got to pay attention to the suburbs. If you want to figure out where the state is going, you need to pay attention to the suburbs. Um, yes, they used to be pretty much Republican, but I will argue they are not becoming Democratic. Um, if you go out into the suburbs of, of King County, and I'm really talking about, let's say, Mill Creek to Newcastle, if you, if you go out, and I have spent a lot of time there as a, as a King County Port Commissioner and as a gubernatorial candidate, when you go out and you just actually have a conversation with people about what they care about, they, they're, not, they're not like repulsed by the Republican Party and embracing the Democratic Party. They don't like either party. They are sick with both of them. They think they're both toxic and don't listen to them. And so they are not you know, abandoning the Republican Party and embracing the Democratic Party. They're actually looking for a home. 255,000 of them voted for Clinton or nobody and then voted for me. That means they are, they are looking for somebody who will talk about the issues that actually affect their lives and they are tired of all this garbage noise they're barraged with on a daily basis. And if we want to talk to the people in the suburbs, we've got to be talking to them about issues that actually affect their lives and have positive solutions, alternative positive solutions on what we're for and how we're going to help them. You do that, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, and you're gonna get votes in the suburbs. I think Northwest Republicans are positioned to do that. So let's look to 2018. And a little bit of context here. Bill was talking about the statewide vote for Republicans. To win statewide, a Republican needs to get 40% or better in King County. Hasn't been happening. Um, we also know that, you know, I think Chris was shaking his head no when I, or yes, when I suggested that maybe Republicans have seen the gains they're gonna see in the legislature. Um, but what, what are you predicting for 2018 for your party and, and elections here in Washington? Well, I don't have a party anymore. So um, he doesn't have a party anymore. Uh, what I, but I agree with Bill. For your I, former party. I, what I'm working on now is a, what I think is the beginning of a new movement, which could be, end up being the third party, which is a nationwide movement to elect moderate, centrist independents to office. And we will have some candidates on the ballot this year, and it's happening nationwide. But... You know, in, in 2010 and 2014, Republicans made massive, massive gains all across this country during the anti-Obama off-year elections. But even with that, they couldn't get to a majority in the House of Representatives in Washington State and barely had a majority in the Senate by one vote. The President's party 
always loses seats in off-years elections. The Republicans are going to lose seats this year. It's just a matter of whether it's going to be a typical off-year election and they lose a few seats, or whether it's going to be the kind of tsunami we just saw in Virginia, Virginia, where Republicans went, to so went from solid majorities in the state house to, I think, a tie or, or one seat. Um, it's either going to be a huge Democrat tidal wave this fall or a moderate Democrat wave this fall, but either way, Republicans are going to go backwards now. And, you know, there's only five Republicans left from King County in the state legislature. That it's just numerically impossible for them to have majorities in the House and Senate if they don't win more seats in, in the suburbs, and they're going backwards, and it's probably going to continue to go backwards. Chairman Sotelo, what are you thinking for 2018 in light of the the national currents. How concerned are you for your party, your prospects in 2018? Well, your math is wrong. There's more than five. There's uh, the 31st. Oh. We've got three. I the don't 47th, count. The 37th. The 5th. I know. The I know. 30th. Yeah. So the, 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 your math is wrong. No, the 30. The 31st just say is. I'm right. The 31st. Right. No, I'm the 31st correct. is overwhelmingly in Pierce County. There's a little sliver Actually, in King County. Actually, it's half in in King County, and we claim them. <laughs> Okay. We, I, think we, I think we need the district map up here, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can you put the map up, please? I'm right. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I have a hard enough time well, with these guys. You've got to give me a break. So, uh, so basically... I haven't I, even asked them about 2020 redistricting, which yeah. we, have, we have the resident expert here. Actually, but we may 2020 not get redistricting is fine because Slade Gorton has made sure that is just fine for us. So, or for all of us. Uh, <laughs> all of us, all of us. <laughs> the district, it, actually, the district commission. It's a bipartisan is, yeah. commission. I think but, the question is, Senator Gordon, are you going to be on the 2020 redistricting commission? <laughs> have you, have they recruited you yet? You know, I, I can say, Washington State has the best and fairest okay. redistricting system no of any of the 50 states in the United States of America. So the only it, it is. Guaranteed against a partisan, uh, a partisan gerrymander. And I think Washington State has the best primary system in America. Basically ignoring the parties and letting the top two run against one another so that in every legislative district, even one party districts, there's a real contest in November. And that's the way elections ought to be won. Okay. Back to Lori, then back to 2018. <laughs> So back to, now in the King County, in King County, which is where, you know, one of the first lessons I learned as chair is if it's not happening in King County, I shouldn't pay attention to, to it. But, um, but in King County, we've seen uh, a shift towards South and South King County and Southeast King County. Um, we expect to continue to be strong there um, and as far as countywide. Um, and we expect in the fifth to be strong. Um, and then uh, we will be competitive in all the other races in the suburbs uh, with candidates there. Um, you know, every year you, you get out there and you fight because the races are so close, it could just be a matter of a couple of hundred vo votes of whether or not the Democrats or the Republicans win. So when we go at the races, we go at them uh, as hard as we possibly can. So, and of course, the 8th Congressional District is an open seat. That's going to be, you know, one to watch. Certainly tilts still leans Republican, but it's an open seat. Um, I do want to mention that Senator Gordon, um, I hope you don't mind me mentioning, mentioning this, but turned 90 last month. He will be honored in the... Uh, <clears throat> he, he will be honored in the Washington State Senate next week, next Friday. Uh, 
I, um, we're, we're so fortunate to have you here offering your, um, your perspective um, and also, you know, your optimism, which, which seems to be kind of your undercurrent is, is optimism. But I do want to challenge you on this idea that you said there will be another Dan Evans-like candidate who will come along and Republicans will once again have the governorship. But it hasn't happened since 1984. What gives you that, that hope? Why does it live on in you? Well, I suppose in some respects, misery loves uh, company. Uh, <laughs> I, I have a lot of family in Massachusetts. It does have a Republican governor and fewer than 10% of the members of either house of the legislature. I don't think I'd trade places with Massachusetts <laughs> uh, by, any, by any stretch of the imagination. It will probably, big changes take place nationally and by reflection in many individual states. When some new challenge faces, uh, you know, faces the country and one or both of, uh, and, and at least one of the parties doesn't respond appropriately to it. What that new challenge will be, I'm not sure. In a sense, in a sense, it's been Donald Trump. He has been a great help to the Democratic Party. And in one area, I must say, I agree with Chris. I do not think this will be a good year for Republican candidates uh, here in the state of Washington. But I don't think that's the end of the line by any means. That'll be a that'll be a probably be a one election phenomenon. Uh, and whoever leads the country or offers to lead the country in an appropriate direction with respect to its economy and its national security is going to end up, is going to end up leading the winning political party. And that's just as likely, I think, more likely to be Republicans than Democrats. So Bill Bryant, as you think about what you just went through running for governor, you look at those numbers, you hear Senator Gordon's optimism that there will be a, a, a moment when the timing is right. And that Maybe some... it'll be him. <laughs> do, do you believe it in, in your heart and in your gut, or do you think, I, I've also, you've shown, me the, you've shown me the maps, you've done the analysis, you know the reality out there. Do you, do, intellectually, does your mind tell you not, not anytime soon? No, not at all. Um, I remember this summer I was down in California and talking to some friends who were involved politically, and really not—they weren't Republicans. These are these are folks who don't identify with either party really. Um, but you know, if they had to choose, they would probably lean more R than D. And um, I was I was into my second beer and complaining about everything you just said, and they were like, Bryant, pull out. Um, you know, you live in a state where you know that if you run tomorrow, you'll probably get 47% of the vote. Because in California, if we can find somebody who polls in the low 30s, we get excited. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you just got to figure out how you get from 47 to 50 and a half. Go home and figure it out. Um, and, I, and I think that is partly a, a, a function of timing, as, as Senator Gordon says. You, there's a very solid foundation. I think one of the challenges is that because there is so much ugly noise on the national level, uh, that people are not looking beyond the party label. And so you can be a Northwest Republican, which is a different species than the National Republican. We are our own little resonant pod out here. And, 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 and yet, even if you are committed 
to protecting the environment and restoring Puget Sound and salmon recovery and steelhead recovery, even if you really are committed to making sure that we have an education system that meets the needs of the kids, people aren't listening if they see that R. And until we get beyond the, the, the ugliness and, and the incredible partisan environment in which we find ourselves, I don't think that candidate is going to be able to get over 47 to 50 and a half. But I'll tell you, based on my experience, you know, 255,000 people this time did, and you know, they voted for Clinton or nobody, and they came over and voted for me, and if that continues, we continue to talk about the issues that people care about, I think we can get there. And that's why I'm not, you're talking about this year in 2018, I'm not focused on, on congressional or legislative stuff. I'm helping people with the, whatever resources and experience I have get elected to school boards and port commissioners and city councils where they're really working with people on a daily basis on the issues that they really care about. Okay. We are almost out of time. I do want to give each of our panelists a chance to, to offer a closing thought or two. Uh, Chris Vance, maybe I'll start with you. Uh, you know, you, in your, your other your day job, I guess you're a consultant. You are no longer a part of this party, but if you were going to consult the party and you have said that there is a brand problem mm -hmm. and you believe that there is a third party independent avenue to go to victory, but if you were to advise or consult your former party in this state, what advice would you give them? Well, what I would tell them, um, and it would not work, but it is still the best option, is to, to double and triple down on what Bill just said, which we've never actively done. The Republican Party in Washington State needs to disavow Donald Trump. Okay. <laughs> We're taking up valuable seconds here. <laughs> because, because, because as Bill just said, and, and the Nash end, and the Speaker of the House, and Mitch McConnell, and the entire national Republican leadership, uh, because, because Bill's right, until they do that, no one's going to listen to them. If we really wanna be, if the Republicans really wanna create a distinct identity for themselves here on the West Coast, they need to make it unmistakably clear that they're not part of the insanity, and, and they don't do it. Okay, Lori Sotelo. I know you've told us as the chairman what your job is, but, but you also want to win some races, and I'm sure you'd love to have the governorship. So what is your, your final thought on what the party should or could do or won't do as you chart the future? Well, being in this tough room, I'm going to tell you guys that, uh, that the job of the party is to support our candidates. And, and support our elected officials. And Donald Trump is our president. And if we had a governor, uh, we have, I mean, we have two statewides. We have the treasurer and the, um, and the secretary of state. We have one vote away in the House, and, or two votes away in the House, and, and one or two votes away in the Senate. So if you see from my perspective, uh, the candidates that run need to know that their party is going to be behind them. I mean, Bill would not have run for, for office if he hadn't thought that the Republican Party was going to support him. That's part of the gig, right? And so, um, so you know, my job is to continue to be the cheerleader for the party, cheerleader for our, our, um, our philosophies and our ideals, and, and that's where, the, where I'm going to stay, but also where the rest of the party statewide will also stay is, is behind 
um, behind our nominees. Okay, a final thought from Bill Bryan and then Slade Gordon. Well, I, I wanna say thank you. Um, it's cocktail hour on a Saturday and you guys are all here listening to us. <laughs> and I mean it, that's exactly what we have to have in this country. Um, we too often are talking in silos. Uh, people are tuning in to the media that will tell them what they want to hear. We're antagonistic or angry if somebody presents a different perspective and it's killing us. You wanna go to the suburbs? <laughs> so, you know, the, the, the suburbs are just tuned out. They, they're, they're tired of it. And I think that what, you know, what we are doing here today and what Crosscut is doing and increasing the dialogue among different views is exactly what we need and it's the future if we're going to move forward, so thank you. Senator Gordon. I don't recognize the party that uh, Chris is talking about. I go back once a month to Washington, D.C. and see many of my old friends and uh, former colleagues, and uh, none of them fits the uh, description that, that he's given. They're thoughtful and hardworking. They know what direction they'd like to lead the country in. They have, in many cases, many problems with their president. There's no question about, there's no question about that. But the road to success is, does not go through dividing yourself in half before you start. And what we have to do is just what Bill said. We, all of us, not just those of us who are in politics or are very close to politics, but as American citizens, we've got to be willing far more to listen to one another even when we don't agree. One of the difficulties in, in Congress today is there's no overlap between the two parties. When I was in the United States Senate, there were at least a dozen Republicans more liberal than the most conservative Democrats and vice versa. And it was that middle that was the key to the solution to very many of, to very many of our problems. It would be a great idea if we could get back to that situation again, but short of that, at least to have the members start talking to one another in a civil fashion. That is all the time we have. It is cocktail hour. Please join me in thanking our panel. <laughs>